Welcome to the Eco News Report. I'm your host this week, Tom Wheeler, Executive Director of EPIC, the Environmental Protection Information Center. And the Eco News Report would like to thank our sponsors, Humboldt Distillery, based in Fortuna, California. You can find their delicious organic distilled spirits in your local grocer. Now that we have our COVID shots and can hang out with friends again, it's a perfect time for a board game. Go to Dandar's Board Games and Books, based in Arcata, to find that. And joining me on today's show is Dave Weens, a scientist with USGS, and we are here to talk about his research into the effects of barred owl removal on our favorite forest raptor, the northern spotted owl. Welcome to the Eco News Report, Dave. Oh, thanks so much for having me today, Tom. I appreciate it. So this is this is a, a topic that is really important for Epic. The northern spotted owl is one of our our most frequently utilized animals when it comes to conservation, we use the protections afforded to it under the Endangered Species Act to protect both the owl and all of the other species that share the same habitat types as the owl and really defines Epic's geographical range here in Northern California. So we cover six plus million acres of public land, which is effectively the range of the Northern Spotted Owl here in California. So from the Oregon border down to Northern Marin County. The northern spot owl is not doing well. It's been listed under the Federal Endangered Species Act as threatened since 1990. And about 10 years ago, Epic petitioned to list, uplist the owl to endangered under the act, which we hoped would increase the pressure on federal land management agencies and the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service to do more for our favorite forest raptor. When the owl was listed, I, I think that everyone kind of understood that habitat destruction was the primary cause of the owl's decline then. And since the, since listing, we now know that the barred owl is is a big threat to the northern spotted owl. So we're, we're going to be talking today about a somewhat controversial subject, which is barred owl removal. So killing barred owls to hopefully improve conditions for northern spotted owls. And Dave is an expert here, so I'm thrilled to have him. So Dave, let's let's introduce our two characters here, the northern spotted owl and its cousin, the barred owl. So tell me first about the northern spotted owl. Well, yes, the northern spotted owl, like you mentioned, they are in dire straits right now. Their populations have actually been declining, we think, since the mid-80s. And so it wasn't until, like you said, 1990, that the species was federally listed under an Endangered Species Act. And at that time, it was primarily due to loss of spotted owl habitat. Along with the listing and the emergence of the Northwest Forest Plan, the loss of spotted owl habitat on federal lands largely halted. And in fact, over the past three decades, there's been a 3% increase over the range of the northern spotted owl in suitable habitat for that species. It's a little bit of a digression, but that's kind of been reverted now a little bit because of the very large wildfires we've seen in the last several years. However, in particular, we have these long-term study areas that are distributed throughout the range of the northern spotted owl, including northern California, have been recording carefully and monitoring spotted owl populations each year and evaluating how they survive in their population trends. And during that time, these studies also began to document the emergence of barred owls in these forests. And so barred owls are non-native species to Western North America. They are native to Eastern North America. 
they began expanding their range westward in the, around 1900 or so, in the, about a, a, over 100 years ago now. And it's very well documented, the Barred Owls Range expansion westward. They, they first expanded up through Canada into the boreal forest, but also moved through the Great Plains region. There's some documentation of that, which is quite interesting because that's a non-forested area at the time, basically. So they were able to leapfrog across that area somehow. Regardless of how they got to Western North America and the West Coast, once they did get it to the West Coast, their populations have really exploded. That's something that we measured in this study, this large-scale study. And in the long-term spot out demographic monitoring programs that I mentioned earlier, have also done a good job of monitoring. They, they came over starting about 100 years ago, migrating from the East, and now we have them on the West Coast. When were barred owls first documented within the range of the northern spotted owl? Yeah, the barred owls were first documented moving into Washington, northern Washington, and the range of the northern spotted owl in the early 60s, actually, is when they were first documented. Then they were documented in western Oregon in the early mid-70s. And so during that time, their populations were very, very low. And so for about 20 years, actually... Barred owls were very sparse in the landscape. It wasn't really until the mid-90s or so in the early 2000s that barred owl populations really began to take hold in the Pacific Northwest and expand dramatically. We saw very rapid population growth of barred owls in some of these studies where we've been monitoring spotted owls because the two species are very similar. And so while they're out surveying spotted owls, Sometimes the barred owls will come in and respond, and they're able to record them. So that's how we know of this large and rapid increase in their numbers over this time. And when when I describe barred owls to people, I, I, I sometimes describe them as bigger, better, stronger, faster than the northern spotted owls. Is that true? Why, why are they out-competing our native northern spotted owls? Well, yes, they're very similar species ecologically. And so they select similar habitats on the older growth forests and the prey that are associated with those forests, they both really focus on. So in that respect, they're very similar. However, barred owls are a very different species in that they're considered more of a generalist predator. They're very opportunistic in what they eat. Basically, whatever moves is game that's within their range size. And I think you'd be surprised what's in their range size. And so barred owls are able to also reach much higher densities. They have much smaller home ranges and territories, and that's because they can extract a wider variety of resources out of a smaller area than spotted owls do. In contrast, spotted owls are very much a specialist. They specialize on old forest conditions and specifically on on some primary prey species that they feed on within those conditions, particularly flying squirrels and wood rats and tree voles, things that tend to be associated with the upper canopy of older forest types. And so barred owls not only use those conditions in these forests, but they're also taking advantage of the aquatic environment. And so they're eating a lot of amphibians. They're also taking advantage of younger forests and more open habitats. And so that gives them this huge advantage, along with being able to reach much higher densities 
than spotted owls. They've simply overwhelmed spotted owls. They also compete directly with spotted owls for these very valuable resources associated with older forests because those are also the most valuable resources to barred owls. They can do fine with younger forest types or other things, but that's really what they prefer, similar similar type of forest that spotted owls do. And that's really where we see the problems in the competition for those older forest nesting areas and, and prey species associated with those areas. So when barred owls move into a forest that is currently occupied by northern spotted owls, what happens to those northern spotted owls? Well, we know a little bit about that. We know more about that after our we did the removal experiment for barred owls. But before the experiment, we had really very little knowledge about what was happening to spotted owls. We knew that they were disappearing very quickly. And so each year they're monitoring a set of territorial pairs of spotted owls that are nesting pairs. And particularly in recent times, these crews will go out and there'll be birds that are just missing and they're not showing up on their territories each year. And that's happening more and more. So when you say territorial pairs, one one great thing for, for research is that northern spotted owls, they, they will come up with an area that is theirs and they will defend it against other other owls coming into their territory. And so you can go back year after year and you can build a relationship almost with these northern spotted owls. They're a very long-lived bird. We have spotted owls here locally that are over 20 years old. And so it has provided a really nice way to continue research because you go back to the same nest trees and the, the same territory and and now they're just gone. When... <laughs> <laughs> or they're they're no longer territorial. So when you are, are trying to hoot for them or, or trying to get them to vocalize, they they are silent. Yes, they they just not being detected. They they weren't sure if they weren't out there. Are the birds dead? Are they just not being detected? Have they just abandoned their territory now that there are barred owls there? That was largely unknown. The fact is that the facts that they were collecting was were that once barred owls appeared on their territories, for the most part, spotted owls would quickly disappear. And so this is a trend that started to emerge across the range of northern spotted owls, some areas more severe than others. So... An invasive species or a non-native species moving in and displacing a native species, this is not something that's new. This happens regularly with other species. The, the dynamic here is maybe slightly different because they're both owls and they kind of look alike and they, they share the same ecosystem type. And one thing that we often do is we, we experiment in these situations with removal. So if we remove this non-native species, how is the native species going to respond to that removal? And so seemingly this was kind of a, a logical study that has been done. Can you talk about can you talk about the early research into barred owl removal that kind of set up this longer term study that you participated on? Sure. There was really the pioneering work on barred owls and barred owl removal was done in Northern California on Green Diamond Resource Company lands by Lowell Diller and his colleagues. And that was earlier, back in the early 2009 to 2014 is when that study occurred. And that was a, a pilot project to see if removing barred owls could benefit spotted owls in that landscape. At the time, barred owls had just began to move into Green Diamond Resource Company lands and were beginning to impact the northern spotted owls that they were monitoring. 
they implemented removals. And I think, I believe in total over that time, they removed just over 90 barred owls total over a six year period. And they saw very dramatic results in that study. They essentially had begun to record a population decline in spotted owls in that particular area. And that decline was completely reversed in the area where they did barred owl removal. They also saw a sharp increase in survival of spotted owls in areas where barred owl removal was being completed. And so that pilot work was instrumental in, in demonstrating that removal could benefit spotted owls. However, that was at a time, as I mentioned, it was much earlier in the invasion of barred owls. It was an area where there were still healthy numbers of spotted owls and very few barred owls. Uh, meanwhile, in the northern part of the spotted owls range, barred owls had increased to much, much higher densities, much higher levels than what they were seeing in northern California. They were seeing much stronger impacts on northern spotted owls. So areas with dwindling numbers of spotted owls that were being completely overrun by invasive barred owls. And so this, of course, led to the question to be able to use barred owl removal as any type of management tool to help benefit spotted owls or recover their populations. We really need to have an understanding of how removal works in different forest conditions and also different conditions of owls and their owl populations than what we saw in that pilot study. And so that was really the primary motivator to complete a large-scale removal experiment across the range of the northern spotted owl. So that's a wonderful setup. The Econews Report, joining me is Dave Weens, and we're talking about his research on barred owl removal and its benefits to northern spotted owls. You studied this then. You, you studied across, I believe, three different states, Washington, Oregon, and, and California, and numerous different sites. Tell us about how you constructed this study, and then we can get into the results afterwards. Yeah, well, I, I really want to emphasize that this was a real a huge effort that involved several federal agencies, tribal lands, state interests. It was a huge effort to coordinate and organize this very large-scale field experiment. And so what we did, I mentioned earlier, these long-term monitoring areas for northern spotted owls. So five of those areas were selected within the range of the spotted owl, one in Washington, two in western Oregon, and two in northern California, including one on the Hoopa Reservation, the tribal lands. And so within those, each of those long-term areas where we had very good data on spotted owls and long-term information on their survival and population trends, we went into each of those areas and we split it up into two or more pieces where one piece was an area where we would remove barred owls and another piece was a reference area where we would just continue to monitor both species to be able to compare what happens to spotted owl populations with and without barred owl removal. And so once we had that design all set up, and, and I'm glossing over a lot of detail with landowner permissions, and you can imagine permitting requirements, 
a lot of training involved and the people actually doing the removals work, you know, working with firearms. So these removals of barred owls were determined that lethal removal was actually the most ethical approach to doing the removal experiments. That was predetermined before USGS and myself implemented the experiment. That was predetermined by the Fish and Wildlife Service. We were largely following protocols for the experiment that had been previously developed by the Fish and Wildlife Service for the project. And so within each of these areas, we went and surveyed the first year before we did removals. We didn't really have a really clear understanding of what was happening with barred owls in these areas. So we completed barred owl surveys a year before we initiated the removals. And I got to tell you, that was a, a very shocking aspect of the study to really get a clear picture of how many barred owls were actually out there in the landscape. And they were essentially everywhere, much higher densities than actually what we were seeing just from the spot owl studies alone. When we actually surveyed specifically for barred owls, we found their densities were much, much higher. Nonetheless, they're very aggressive birds. And so when we go in to do the removals, we're able to go into these areas and essentially call them in. And as they defend their territories that they've established and remove them quite quickly. And so we went into these removal areas and these five different study areas and we removed barred owls from those treatment areas or removal areas that I described for three to four six years, between three and six years, depending on the study area. And then during this time, we're able to monitor very closely the response of northern spotted owls in these areas because all the northern spotted owls are individually marked. We're monitoring each individual and tracking it year to year. And so what we found was a very strong effect of barred owl removal on spotted owls. We found in the areas where we were doing removals that essentially the long-term population declines that we had been recording in these areas for over 30 years had stopped, and those declines had arrested. Whereas in the areas, those reference areas, where we continue to monitor both species without barred owl removal, spotted owl populations continued to decline very quickly and sharply. And I really want to emphasize how how steep the declines have been and how dramatic and severe our losses are. Yeah. So relative to some point in the past, listing or, or sometime thereafter, how many spotted owls do we have? What percent left of that species do we think we have? Well, a previous paper that was just published to ours on the removal project took a close look at range-wide declines in northern spotted owl populations. And that study concluded that across the entire range of this species of northern spotted owl, that less than 35% of the population was remaining since the studies began monitoring those populations back in 1993. Which is, which is astounding. It, the northern spotted owl, I believe there is one breeding pair left in British Columbia. It, it's basically extinct there. And it's not doing very well in Washington it's not doing very well in Oregon. It's not doing very well in California. And although you can kind of see that the longer barred owls have been established in a state, the worse the owl is doing there, or or historically the worse it has done. So I, I am now a big convert that it is necessary both to protect habitat for the northern spotted owl 
and to to begin barred owl removal because of your work and because of the work of of others like Lowell Diller. So let, let's talk about management implications of your study. So as you said, barred owl removal effectively stopped the decline of of spotted owls in your in your study versus the control where you did not remove barred owls. How how difficult was it to to accomplish this barred owl removal? How how realistic is it for us to be able to scale up a barred owl removal program? Well, one one aspect of the study that we found is that it, it really depends the difficulty and the effort that's required to remove barred owls really depends on where you are and the range of the spotted owl. For example, in our Washington study area, which is on, actually on the east slope of the Cascades in drier forest conditions, once we removed barred owls, their populations didn't just snap back very quickly. We were able to maintain those areas clear for spotted owls. The problem up in that area is that there weren't many spotted owls left to respond. In contrast, and very something very different we saw was in Western Oregon, for example, where their densities are very, very high. So we not only found six or seven pairs of, of barred owls within each single spotted owl territory, but we also found in that area that once you remove those barred owls, that they come right back from the surrounding landscape, that there's a surplus of individuals in these landscapes that don't have territories, that once you do removals, they're ready to colonize those areas very quickly and and fill those vacancies. And so in that area, it took more effort and more time to see a response in spotted owls. Nonetheless, something that was another very powerful result of our experiment is that despite these differences in barred owl densities that we saw across the range and how difficult it was to control their populations, we saw a very consistent response of spot owl populations across all the five study areas that had these different forest types and different conditions of barred owls. And so this really illustrated how the barred owl impact on spot owls is very consistent across these areas as well. One line at the end of your paper is that, I'm just going to paraphrase here, that barred owl removal is likely going to be important for the spotted owl, but also for broader biodiversity in older forests of of the Pacific Northwest. Uh, Can you explain what you mean by this and and some of the emerging research about the effects of barred owl invasion on, on other species in these older forest types? Well, right. Yeah. I mean, we talked a little bit earlier about the very high numbers of barred owls that we're recording in these forests and also that they're generalist opportunistic predators that are eating about anything that moves. And so we know also from this study, we did some diet work with the birds also, and that we know now that the barred owls are eating a very wide variety of prey species not only small mammals and birds, but also amphibians and reptiles. In some areas that have uh, moister forest types, uh, we're seeing them focus very heavily on amphibian species, particularly salamanders and frogs. And these are species that don't normally see a lot of predation or pressure from nocturnal avian species like owls. There are some that eat the amphibians, but not at high densities like barred owls. 
And so we don't have great demographic detailed information on all these other prey species or other smaller owl species that might be impacted similar to the way spot owls are being affected. We don't have as good information like we do on spot owls. We just know that they're eating a lot of this stuff and that these broader impacts on the ecosystem are likely. And so I think it's a really important point Right now, we're very focused on the impacts on spot owls because of their status. There are many other species, we believe, that could be pretty heavily impacted by barred owls as well. I think that this is a very important point because I hear a lot of people feel uncomfortable with removing one owl for another. And that if it is just a one-for-one trade, that they say, well, you know, they're they're kind of cousin species to each other. What's the big deal at some point? When, when do we stop playing God here and just allow for barred owls to take over at the expense of the northern spotted owl? But it, it's not just the northern spotted owl. It's not just this one-for-one trade. And I should also say I'm I'm deeply uncomfortable with the idea that we could sit by and allow for the northern spot owl to go extinct without having exhausted every effort to try to preserve it. But that that that's a separate sort of moral argument. But there are other ecosystem effects of of this barred owl invasion, and it's not just one owl for another. It is all of the downstream effects of barred owl invasion on amphibians and and other life in our forests. I have a friend who's an Northern Spotted Owl researcher, and he says that where barred owls are, it feels like the forest is just kind of dead, that they have such a a widespread effect. It's like pouring bleach on the forest or something, you know, it just kills things. So I, I think it's important that we also discuss the other potential benefits to barred owl removal, because this is going to be difficult. Barred owls are extremely charismatic. They're just like our friends, the Northern Spotted Owls in that respect. They're curious, they're intelligent, they are are often very welcome and present in our forest because they have this 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 hoot that we all can recognize who cooks for you, who cooks for you, that we now hear in our forest way more than we ever hear spotted owls. So th- as they become present, as we become used to them, they become our friends in the same way that the northern spotted owl have been. So it, it, it's going to be difficult. It, it is all of this is going to be hard for us emotionally. It's going to be hard for all the people who are going to have to do the barred owl removal. I I know that Lowell Diller, when he was doing that work on Green Diamond, said that it was some of the hardest work he's ever had to do, pulling the trigger on a shotgun to to take out a barred owl. So it's going to require significant investment of time and resources and emotional energy to to get this done. But I'm going to go on record and say that I I think that it's really important that we do this. Dave, is is there anything I haven't asked that, that is important to this story? I think we covered all the all the main points, but like you said just now, it, you know, it comes down to not just a choice between one owl or the other and saving, killing one owl to save another. It's it's one owl versus having both owls, or do you just want the barred owl or both owls? Because the barred owls are here to stay. We're not getting rid of barred owls, and we don't want to. Barred owls, I think, are an amazing species. I have huge respect for barred owls. They're truly amazing species and highly intelligent. And after I've worked with them so long, I've been nothing but amazed by barred owls. Nonetheless, I think the choice comes down to we just want barred owls to overrun the forest or do we want to maintain the biodiversity of the native species that's there now? 
I I couldn't have said it better. Thank you, Dave. And thank you for joining the Eco News Report. And thank you, listeners. Join us again next week for more environmental news from the North Coast of California. Talk to you then.